If you made it in today without a Bible in hand, please raise your hand. Let us bring a Bible to you. Bible and or outline, you'll need that today. And if you have a Bible, you want to open up to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. How's everybody doing today? Really? I'm predicting at my house tonight a very late evening, followed by a very early morning tomorrow. Am I alone in this? Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But you know, it's, it's good for us to, I, I think, to come together and uh, once again go through the Christmas story and uh, remember why this is so important and uh, maybe to see some things that we've never seen before, maybe we've never thought of, and, and you know, why do we even do this? So I've asked you to turn to Luke chapter 2, and uh, we'll get there in just a moment, but also you need your, your outline today. You see, the story picks up, it, it, the nation of Israel, God's people, the Jewish people, they had been waiting for thousands of years for this one who would be called the Messiah, the Christ, to come, the Savior of the world, and, and, and uh, come to the earth. Now the reason he would be called the Savior is because man had been separated from God because of the things that man had done, man's sin. And so they were waiting for someone, the right one, to come and to repair that relationship. So they would talk about this one who is coming, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they would write down little tidbits of who this one would be. For instance, about 800 years before Jesus would be born, a verse that we're all familiar with there on your outline, Isaiah the prophet writes about this one who would come, and it says, for to us a child is born, for to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God, and I always underline that, and the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, he would come to the earth, be born as a baby, but he would be the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Jesus would be more than a teacher or a prophet, which is why all Christians believe that Jesus is God, and everyone else believes that Jesus is not God. That's the dividing line of everything that is Christian and everything that is not Christian. All Christians believe that Jesus is God. And so they waited. They waited for this one to to arrive. Now, every Christmas in every church, it, it seems that we always read the gospel story from Luke, which is, and there's very good reason for that, because Luke is the one who gives the most comprehensive story. John's gospel, Mark's gospel, they don't talk about the birth of Jesus. Now in Matthew's gospel, Matthew gives a one paragraph story of the, the birth of Jesus, but does so completely from Joseph's perspective and uh, Joseph's struggle, the, the part that sometimes we don't, we don't think about. So I put that there on your outline from Matthew. I want to read through that. And uh, we're going to look at uh, and see if maybe there's something that the Lord might want to say to us as we consider this story. So again, from Matthew's gospel, it goes like this. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So as our story picks up, Mary is somewhere between 12 to 14 years of age. 
and uh, she is engaged to Joseph, and in those days, marriages would be arranged. Now, they're not forced marriages, they're just arranged marriages. So two families that live close to one another, they like each other, their kids like each other, so they talk to the kids, what do you think? And the kids said yes, and so then they would arrange the marriage. So it would be something that everybody wanted. So a year before they would come together as husband and wife, although they're legally uh, although they are engaged, a year before they would come together as husband and wife, the girl would stay with her family, but they would be considered legally married. So if they were to dissolve this relationship, even though they had not come together yet, uh, they would have to have a certificate of divorce. It's in that year where they are legally married, although they are considered, from our perspective, engaged, that the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child and uh, you're going to give birth to the Savior. Now the challenge with that is that the angel only appears to Mary and doesn't appear to anybody else, and especially doesn't appear to Joseph. So Joseph finds out that the girl that he's been waiting to marry uh, is, is pregnant, and he knows he's not the guy. So you can imagine, hopefully you, this has never happened to you, but you can imagine just what's going on in his you know, emotionally, because he doesn't have the rest of the story. He just knows that the girl that he's been waiting for is now pregnant, and he's not the guy. So he's going to ponder that. And Joseph has to come to a place where he makes a decision. So it goes on there, and uh, you read along in verse 19 there, it says, and Joseph, her husband, and notice it says her husband, because legally that was the relationship, even though they had not come together. Being a righteous man, and I've underlined that, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now we're going to come back to that in a few minutes, but uh, he doesn't know the rest of the story, and uh, we'll talk about that. But when he had considered, and I've underlined that, when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you want to just highlight you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus. And that's going to be important for our study. Uh, for he will save the people, his people from their sins. It's all about God coming to the earth to save us from our sins. That's the most important thing. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And this comes from Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And I've underlined that which translated means God with us, God with us. And so Joseph, and I've underlined these verbs here, we'll talk about Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. And you want to underline that. So the angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, she wasn't unfaithful. God's doing something very special here. This is from the Holy Spirit. So go ahead and take her. And the angel in this dream reveals that this one is the Savior. He's also God with us, Emmanuel. So when Jesus is born, uh, Joseph will name him, Joseph will call him Jesus. Now there on your outline, the word Jesus comes from the Greek, and, uh, and, and, uh, and from Hebrew we would say Joshua, but the word would be Yehoshua there on your outline. And all that means is Jehovah the Savior. Does everybody see that? So we say Jesus, but the word just means Jehovah the Savior. So when Jesus is born, Joseph calls him 
Jehovah the Savior, Jehovah the Savior, Jehovah the Savior. So all of Jesus' upbringing, Joseph is calling him Jehovah the Savior, Jehovah the Savior. We say Jesus, just means Jehovah the Savior. Also, his name there on your outline is Emmanuel, God with us is what that means. So now we don't miss what's going on. He would be the mighty God, the everlasting Father. He will be Jehovah the Savior, and he will be God with us. The Bible goes out of its way from cover to cover to make sure that we don't miss that Jesus is more than a teacher, more than a prophet. He is literally God who came to the earth as a man to pay for our sins. So he's God. So Joseph will call him Jehovah the Savior. We say Jesus. Now Joseph didn't get the story initially. And we don't know how long it was that he finds out that Mary is pregnant and she's showing, and everybody knows, uh, to the time that the angel appears. We don't know if it's 24 hours, we don't know if it's a week, we don't know if it's a month. All we know is that Joseph is shocked by this, he's bewildered by this, he doesn't know what to do about it. We underline the word considered. He's thinking about how he's supposed to respond in this situation. And uh, I, I love how it says it in the old King James. So I put that there on your outline. And it says Joseph, because it brings out what, what the original language is actually saying. It says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example. Now, one thing I need to say, do you see the word public example? The word, there's a K at the end. That's not a misspelling. From the old King James, which was uh, translated in English in the 1600s, that's just how they spelled public. Had a K on the end. So I just copied and pasted that. So that won't change your life, but hopefully you find that interesting. Now you're going to go home and look up your King James and see if it's really there. It really is. So, so what the, the point is, he didn't want to make her a public example. In that day in the Middle East, uh, when you were engaged to somebody and you found out that they were pregnant by somebody else, and at that time you're engaged but you're legally married, the way that you responded is you made them a public example. Now, you and I live in a day where even as Christians, sadly, um, somebody hurts us, they offend us in some way, and we just can't wait to make a public example of them, putting it on Facebook, Twitter, however, we want to expose them. But Joseph is a righteous man, and so he's considering, how do I respond in this situation? And as he wrestles, he realizes that, yes, I've been hurt. I feel like I've been wrong. I'm bewildered by this. I was hoping for this. She's pregnant. I'm not the guy. He says, but but I'm just not the, the kind of guy who's going to stick it to her because I feel like she's hurt me. And so one of the things that we find, if we ask, what does a righteous man look like the first thing that we're going to see is that a righteous man doesn't seek retaliation when hurt. Doesn't seek retaliation when hurt. There's an aspect of this that we see in the Bible and we see it in life. Joseph finds out, he considers, and it's not until Joseph comes to the place where he decides what kind of man he is going to be it's not until he comes to the place where he decides what kind of man he's going to be, that's when God shows up in the situation. But prior to that decision, he's just wrestling. Once he makes the decision, I'm not going to do that to her, that's when God shows up and gives the rest of the story. Another thing that I notice is that because he's a righteous man, 
One of the things that we notice is that when God speaks, and you want to write this down, he immediately acts on God's word. Immediately acts on God's word. Verse 24 in that little paragraph, uh, I love the verbs. It says, and Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. What that would mean is that that for Joseph now, uh, he will immediately go get Mary, take her to the synagogue before the rabbi and say, register this marriage and do it right now. You've got to do this right now. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but you have to keep in mind, this is the Middle East 2,000 years ago. And uh, when somebody was found to be pregnant and it wasn't by the husband, uh, Mary would be in a very dangerous situation. So Joseph immediately takes her, and now she's legally married to him so nobody can touch her, nobody can harm her. So in part, this is for her protection. Another thing that we find, because he's a righteous man, uh, a righteous man sets aside personal desires when needed. You want to write that down. Verse 25 there, uh, it says, but kept her a virgin until until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, um, Joseph has been thinking about a wedding. He's been thinking about a honeymoon. He's been thinking it's going to go this way, and uh, now he realizes that that's not going to happen, and so he keeps her a virgin until six months more of cold showers. They didn't laugh at the last service either. But there's one more service, and I'm not giving up on that one. So he keeps her a virgin until... Now what's also interesting in that is the angel never says, you have to do that. The angel just says, this is who she's giving birth to. But Joseph is a righteous man, and for Joseph it's just the right thing to do. It's just the right thing to do. Now we also find that because he is a righteous man, we notice something in him, we also notice it in Mary, is that nowhere in the story do you have Mary or Joseph going up and down the street trying to convince everybody of their side of the story. Uh, the truth is anytime we try to defend ourselves that way, it always blows up in our face. So, so you don't have that. So what we see is as a righteous man, you want to write this down, he allows the Lord to be his defender. Because not everybody's going to believe the story that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Most people are going to reject the story. And immediately Joseph's life is going to become very complicated. And we're going to see that because he makes this decision, his family, and apparently Mary's family, are going to reject Mary because the angel never appears to them. And that they're going to reject Joseph because he has chosen to take this woman as his wife. And it appears that the family is very much against that. We'll see that as we travel through, which takes us to the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter two. It's been about nine months, nine months since the angel has appeared to Mary. And uh, we're going to pick it up in verse one. I'll read and we'll make a couple of comments. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also, Joseph also went from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. And you want to underline that because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with 
Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child, was engaged and was married uh, and, and was with child. So everybody has to go to their city of origin. So Joseph has to go all the way down to Bethlehem. So let me just give you a little perspective of this, if we can put a map up on the screen. If you look at the north part of the map, what you'll see is you have this area called Galilee, and there's that town of Nazareth all the way up in the front. That's by the, all the way uh, up in the top, and that's by the Sea of Galilee. Whereas down at the bottom of Israel, about 95 to 100 miles down, you have the city of Jerusalem. And just south of Jerusalem, you have this little tiny city or this little village called Bethlehem. Now, uh, and so Mary is nine months pregnant, and God has to get Mary from the north part of the country all the way down to the southern part of the country. So Caesar gets this idea to have the census, and it's all so he can get Mary from one side of the country all the way down to the bottom. Now, why does Mary have to come all the way down to Bethlehem? Because 500 years before that, the prophet Micah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this there in your outline. But you, Bethlehem, and there's that word I'm not going to try to pronounce, Ephrathah, hopefully that. Though you are little, and I've underlined that word little, among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you, this tiny little village, shall come forth to me, God says, one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, how old? From everlasting. The idea is the one who will be born in Bethlehem will have existed forever from everlasting. Now, Bethlehem means, uh, Bethlehem in Hebrew just means house of bread, which is important because the one who's going to be born there is going to be referred to as the bread of life. And it says, though you are little among the thousands. One of the things that we might miss in our day is that these little villages, Bethlehem especially, was probably somewhere between three acres and five acres. Uh, These cities were were not larger than that. There was probably only at the top uh, 200 people who actually lived in this tiny little village called Bethlehem. So verse 6 it goes on and it says, while they were there the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped, and I always underline that, him in cloths and laid him in a manger. Manger just means feeding trough. It doesn't mean stable, just feeding trough. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room in the inn. Now, uh, when it says no room in the inn, keep in mind this is a tiny little village out in the middle of nowhere, somewhere between three to five acres. And uh, so their inns were not as we understand them today. The inn was literally a barn where if you were a shepherd out in the field and you wanted to get a good night's sleep, you would bring your sheep in, put them into the barn, and then you would sleep there. So that's what an inn was in those days. It's nothing like what the movies would portray today. This is a tiny little village, three to five acres out in the middle of nowhere. So they didn't have a lot of travelers in those days. Um, What's also important to note is that Joseph grew up in Nazareth, but he has to go down to Bethlehem to be registered. Uh, And so he takes Mary. Now, if Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, uh, his entire family, his brothers and sisters, his mom, his dad, they would all have to go down to Bethlehem too. But you notice that they're not part of the story. And the reason that they're not part of the story is that Mary has this reputation. And uh, in their minds, uh, she has shamed the family. 
So it appears that the family said, we want nothing to do with her, and because you're with her, Joseph, we want nothing to do with you. So they go to this tiny little, we say inn, it's actually a barn, and in a world where anybody would help a pregnant lady, as they come to this place, we find that nobody will help this pregnant lady. And the reason for that is her reputation has preceded her so that in a world that would help any pregnant lady, they will have nothing to do with this pregnant lady. So in verse 7, you notice it says, she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in cloths. Now the reason that's important that it says that she gave birth, she wrapped. In those days you had midwives, but there wasn't a midwife as uh, a woman went into labor, any woman within earshot would come and help the woman who's going through labor. And when the baby was born, they would then wrap the baby, clothe the baby, clean the baby. But what's interesting in this story is that no woman will come alongside of Mary and help her give birth in a world where every woman would come alongside and help. But there's something about Mary that no woman would. And the reason for that is her reputation as the girl who got pregnant outside of marriage. And so what's interesting about that, uh, for most of us who grew up in the church, we're used to the concept of Jesus being rejected at the cross, but what we miss is he was also rejected in his birth and from the very birth, and that would just begin. Well, verse 8, it goes on to say this, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, which is the most important thing, who is Christ the Lord. He is God. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger, feeding trough. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And the angels had gone away, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known to them the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. It's interesting that God doesn't immediately change Mary's situation but he sends comfort in her situation. Jesus is the star of the show, and the story is all about Jesus. Mary, as the mommy, is the one who carries Jesus, but Joseph is the unsung hero in the story. The part that we sometimes miss is that Joseph, when the lights go on and the angel comes and appears to him, uh, Joseph immediately makes a decision. He's been told this baby is the Savior. He's Jehovah the Savior. 
He's the one who's going to save. He is God with us. When Joseph makes the decision, he's making a decision. He understands that the decision that he's making is all about this child. He understands that from the time that he makes this decision, that his whole life is going to be about Jesus. Parents, wouldn't you agree that when you give birth to a child, it hits you that from this point on, my whole life is about this child. Just comes with it. So he realizes that in making this decision, his whole life is going to be about this child. And he understands that when he makes this decision, from the time this decision is made, that he will be, or Jesus will be with him, literally for the rest of Joseph's life. So when he goes, as he makes the decision, he immediately goes and gets Mary. They go to the rabbi there at the synagogue. Jesus is right there. As they go to Bethlehem, and Mary's there, Jesus is right there. When Jesus is born, Jesus is right there. As Jesus grows up, he will grow up. It says that he would grow up as a carpenter. Joseph was a carpenter, so he's going to grow up daily with Joseph. Joseph and Jesus are going to have a very special fellowship. So Joseph understands that from that point on, Jesus is going to be with him. He's going to be with Jesus. It's also interesting that as you look at the story, Joseph is going to have a unique relationship with the father. You see, this little boy that's growing up in Joseph's presence in his carpenter shop is none other than the everlasting father, the mighty God. So he's been told who he is, and so from that point on, he's going to have a relationship that's going to be very unique. Not only that, Joseph knows that not everybody is going to understand this decision. And he realizes that some are going to reject him because of this decision, but that's okay. He understands that Jesus is Jehovah, the Savior. And so he's willing to make that decision because he knows who this is. We also find that if Joseph would have made any other decision on that day, other than the decision to go take Mary right now, then the story would not say Joseph being a righteous man, it would say something very different. He is righteous because of the decision that he makes about this child. The decision that Joseph makes about Jesus, which would mean that for the rest of his life, his life is going to be about Jesus, he realizes that the rest of his life he's going to be in fellowship with Jesus, with the everlasting Father, is a picture of salvation. And it's the uh, same decision that God calls each of us to make. The greatest gift that you can ever give to your heavenly Father is to say, I want that relationship. And we invite him to step into our life to forgive us of our sins as Savior we recognize that he is God with us. That's the greatest gift that we can ever give him. The greatest gift that he gives us is he steps into our life. We have fellowship and we are saved from what would, to, what would come if we didn't make that decision. We are righteous because of that decision, just like Joseph. As we wrap this up, did you find that at least interesting? Interesting. 
as we wrap this up on this Christmas Eve, the same decision that Joseph makes is the same decision that your heavenly father hopes that you will make. He made you because he wanted to have a relationship with you. He didn't have to make you, but he wanted to. And he did that because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And so as we close tonight, at least this part of the service, you have the opportunity to invite him in and say, I want that. I accept you today as the Savior, as God with us, as the everlasting Father, the mighty God, and Jehovah, the Savior. And if you want that, he says he'll step into your life, he'll never leave, your life will be all about him, and you'll have a unique fellowship. And I can tell you this, that you have never met anybody who has walked with the Lord through the years who has ever said, I really regret that decision. But you will meet people who walk with the Lord and they will say, I regret that I waited so long. Don't let that be you. Let's pray. Jesus, Jehovah the Savior, we're so glad that we get to be here tonight. And we read this story and sometimes we miss all that went on and and uh, I love how you did not uh, reveal everything going on until Joseph made a decision about the kind of man he was going to be. And uh, Lord, we look to you tonight and we recognize you as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, Jehovah the, the Savior, born as a child, come to save us. And so we invite you to step into our life. Save us. We want our lives to be about you. And we want that unique fellowship. And your word promises that you're standing at the door and you're knocking and if we'll open the door, you'll come in. And you promise that you will never leave. So we invite you in. And Lord, as we go forward, we're asking you in that fellowship that you would lead us and you would guide us and help us to become everything that you want us to be. Jesus, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and all God's people said, God bless you guys.